And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is yet day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. And from there we will cover the whole chapter. Father, we thank you tonight for your glorious word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your anointing, O God. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise tonight, Lord, for this word. We enter into your heart, your mind, and your will. We thank you, Lord, for what you'll do tonight in this house. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the last chapter we see that Jesus Christ leaves the temple with the religious leaders of his day trying to stone him to death. There was no power in them to fulfill their desire to kill him. And so as he travels from the temple, you might say sort of, and I say sort of because it, it didn't actually take place in a legal type setting, but in a sense he was excommunicated. God was excommunicated from his own temple. So he walks out of his temple having been rejected by the religious leaders. Amen. Although, as I said, it wasn't a formal thing, but because they were trying to kill him is basically putting them in a position of putting him out of the temple. God himself been excommunicated by the temple of God. And we will see in this chapter a sinner man who is going to be excommunicated from the synagogue by the religious leaders. Jesus, having left the temple, having stated that he was the light of the world, now he takes time as he's passing from the temple, he sees a man that is blind. In the 8th chapter, the religious leaders would not believe what Jesus spoke to them and what he taught them, so now he's going to act out what he said. He said, I am the light of the world, so now he's going to act that out by healing a man who is in darkness. Not only darkness physically, but darkness spiritually. And so he's going to act out what he preached uh, to them in the 8th chapter, having been rejected of them. So we will see if this work of light will bring them to a revelation of truth by the time we get through the chapter. So even though they're trying to kill Jesus at that moment, and I believe the connection is right after he left the temple, 
this is when he sees the blind man. Now, in the book of Acts, we saw a man who was paralyzed. He was laying by the gate beautiful of the temple. This is where the beggars met. This is where they congregated. This is where they gathered because so many people came in and out of the temple and walked by the temple, and they were hoping that somebody would give them some money or something to eat because that's the way they made their living. They had no other way of making their living because if they were blind or paralyzed, obviously they could not go out and support themselves. So they would stay around uh, the beggar's patch near the beautiful gate of the temple. The Bible doesn't tell us that's the setting here, but I believe it was the setting here because Jesus walks out of the temple and he comes right in contact with this beggar who would have been located there at the gate beautiful, just like in the book of Acts. And so he would have been gathered there with many blind people. He would not have been the only blind person that was there. There would have been many blind people there that day along with impotent, paralyzed people, all kinds of sickness there, just laid out there at the uh, gate beautiful trying to find some way to make a living by begging. Jesus, even though they have tried to put him to death by stoning, claiming that he has blasphemed God because he made himself to be God, the Bible tells us he still takes the time, even though a very difficult situation was there, he takes the time to heal this man. He had enough compassion, even though he had just got in a tremendous conflict with a bunch of religious hypocrites, a bunch of religious ignoramuses. Even though he had that conflict there, he still had enough compassion to reach out and minister to this man that was born blind. This man was in the right place at the right time. And he was the only one of all the other beggars that were there, blind, that was healed that day. Nobody else that was blind was healed that day except that one man. The Bible tells us that Jesus saw this man. The scripture lets us know that he was born that way. He was born blind. This man had no eyeballs in his head. When you looked at this man, all you saw was the empty sockets uh, where the eyes would have been located. He was born without eyes in his sockets. He was born blind. He did not become blind uh, after he was born and after he lived. He was born that way. He had never seen one day in his life. He had never seen anybody. He had never seen anything. From the time he was born until this time now, his older age, completely blind. Didn't know what he was missing because he had never seen what he uh, was missing. Amen. And so, this is the condition of the man. And Jesus is going to heal this man. This is the only time in history that has ever been recorded that a man was healed of his blindness. A man that was born blind. Only time in history a man that was born blind was ever healed by a man in the history. Recorded history ever. This is the first time and so the Bible tells us at this point also that the disciples are now with Jesus. We have not seen them for a while. It's been the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John where Jesus fed the 5,000 that we actually saw the disciples last time. But now we see them once again with Jesus there in Jerusalem. And they witness this miracle of Jesus of healing the blind man uh, that was born this way blind. 
And the Bible tells us, the Scripture says, verse 2, as they see this blind man, the disciples ask him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They believe that the condition of the man, his blindness was as a result of the sin, either of his parents or the sin of himself. Now, to help you understand that culture, blindness was rampant in that culture. Okay? Uh, not always from birth, but blindness was rampant in that culture due to um, sexual diseases, uh, venereal diseases. BD, venereal diseases cause blindness. And so when people saw somebody blind, uh, they came to the conclusion that possibly the mother and the father had committed some type of immorality or sin and, and it caused this sickness to enter into this man, uh, this venereal disease, just to let you know that. Uh, it was rampant. In fact, when God told Israel to go into the land of Canaan originally, he told them to wipe everybody out. It sounds tragic, it sounds harsh that God would tell his people to go into that land and kill everybody there. Sounds like that's unloving, it sounds like that's unkind. How could a God of love tell somebody to go and kill those people, the Canaanites, as they went into the land? But it has been discovered that the Canaanites were so full of venereal disease that venereal disease was even found in the bones of the animals. So when God told them judicially to kill the Canaanites as they went into the promised land, it was the grace and mercy of God there that was being demonstrated because had that sickness and that disease infiltrated into the nation of Israel, it would have wiped out a whole nation of Israel. So it was a disease that was rampant in that culture. It was rampant in that area. Amen. Are y'all here tonight? And so the disciples asked the question, who did sin, this man's parents, or did he sin? Uh, is this the reason why he's blind? The insinuation is, uh, did the parents commit that kind of a sin? Or a sin, another kind of sin that caused this man to be born blind? That uh, God is passing judgment on this baby boy when he was born. Because the parent had sinned uh, in their life. And we know according to the book of Exodus that God visits the iniquity of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. So it is something that's in the Word of God that the parents can uh, affect the generations to follow them by their sin. That is a biblical thing. Uh, are y'all here tonight? We do know that mankind was born in sin because of the sin of Adam. Say amen. But they're also asking a very in interesting question because they're saying, who did sin? The parents? Is it because of the parents' sin? Or is it because of his own sin? Which means that if he was born blind, he had to sin before he was blind. Or before he was born. If he was born blind, you get what I'm saying? If he was born blind and his sin was the result, or his blindness was the result of his sin, what they're asking is, did he sin before he was born? And this is a judgment of God upon him uh, in the womb. And in their minds, what they are thinking is, 
a doctrine that was common in that day, reincarnation. Many of the Jews believed in reincarnation that a previous life, if you had sinned in a previous life, when you were reincarnated into uh, another person or another or an animal or something, that you would pay in the next life for the sins that you committed in the past life. So the Jews, uh, especially the Alexandrian Jews later on, believed in reincarnation. This is bogus. It's completely false doctrine. There is no such thing as reincarnation. But that is a thought, a concept uh, in that culture, reincarnation. Are you all with me today? They also believed in the pre-existence of the soul. And the pre-existence of the soul, they believed, was, was kept in a chamber. And at the time of the birth, this soul would be placed into the body. And uh, let's say the soul was a good soul. And it, the moment it entered into the body, it would contaminate the soul. So uh, they're wondering if this soul that was supposed to be in a chamber before birth, that was placed into the body at the time of birth, if that soul, it possibly was a bad soul. Are you with me today? I, I know you probably not, aren't too interested in all of this, but I'm just trying to give you a little, a little background here as to their thinking. Or is it that this man literally committed sin while he was in the womb of his mother? Somehow, some way, they thought that that was possible. That the baby before it was ever born actually committed a sin in the womb of its mother. So these were in their mind. Was it reincarnation? Was it the fact the soul came from a chamber pre, uh, pre, uh, uh, created beforehand before the birth and then placed in the body and, and created this uh, dilemma that this man is in? Or did he sin in the womb of the mother? So this is a theological question that they are asking Jesus that they would like to get clarified. Why did this happen to this young man? Why was he born blind? Why? And I know a lot of people today, uh, people are born into this world with all kinds of defects. And the question is, uh, uh, who did sin that caused this? Uh, did somebody sin to cause this baby to be born with these defects? Or let's say that somebody, a uh, child uh, is born, it say it dies. Uh, there's a miscarriage. And so the parent begins to examine its life. Did we sin against God? And, and is this why our son or our daughter uh, miscarried? You know, all these questions go out as to the reason why it happened. And uh, a lot of times people will get bitter and they will say, where was God when my son died? I will tell you where God was when that son died. He was the same place. He was at the same place when his son died on the cross. So don't ever forget that. If you start asking questions, you know, why God or where are you, God? Where were you, God? Just remember that his son died on the cross and the same place that God was when His Son died on the cross is the same place God was when that calamity hit your life. There's a lot of things you'll never be able to explain and to understand as to the reasons why things happen. You understand what I'm saying today? So, a lot of people ask that same question today. 
Was it my sin or my husband's sin that caused this calamity, uh, this defect, or even possibly this death to come on my child? Did we sin or, or was there sin in the child? What is it that is going on here? And so Jesus is going to correct all of this theology. Now he had already said in John chapter 5, the man who was impotent on that bed by the pool of Bethesda, that uh, the results of his problem was a, a result of sin. In fact, Jesus said, Go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. And so Jesus did not completely do away with the reality or the possibility that sin would cause a person's ailment or uh, affliction. Uh, he, he knew that that was a possibility. But in this case, in this case, he said, neither the parents did sin, nor this man, but that the works of God can be manifested in him. Now, this, this really gets large to me. This is larger than I can explain. I am, I'm not really sure, but the Bible tells us Jesus said that he was born that way. So that the works of God could be manifest. That means be visibly seen in his life. So could it be that God, when that baby was in the womb of the mother, allowed, I can say for sure, he allowed the baby to be blind. But is it also possible that God's will was for him to be blind before he was born? Or was he blind and God said, he's blind, I've allowed him to be blind, but there's coming a time where he will manifest the glory of God in his life. So if God directly uh, made him blind for this event later on to happen, God can do that if he chooses to. Or if he said, this man, I know he's going to be born blind, but I see in a specific day, a specific time when I'm going to come into the world and I'm going to come across that man at a specific hour and a specific moment and I'm going to heal that man and God is going to use him to manifest the glory of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God's going to use His blindness being made healed and whole for the glory of God to be manifested there so that the light that is walking in the world in that hour can turn on that man's light who's in darkness physically and who's in darkness spiritually. Only God can do that. Oh, are y'all with me today? This is going to be the first time that a man will ever heal another man that was completely born blind. This is the sixth sign or powerful working of God in the book of John. It parallels the sixth day when God made man. The Bible tells us that God took the dust of the earth and He formed a man out of the dust of the ground and then He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And so God gave Him life, made Him a living soul. Uh, Genesis 2 and verse 7. And so now we see a man... God is fixing to do a creative miracle with the dirt of the ground. The same God in the sixth day that made Adam and formed him out of the dust is the same God that is walking the earth there that day that's going to pick up dirt and make eyeballs out of it. Hallelujah to the Lamb. 
Give God praise in the house. So the sixth sign in John is a parallel of the sixth day when God made man the same God is in the earth here doing this miracle. And so, Jesus brings clarity to the situation. Answering the disciples' question, verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Verse 4, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? <clears throat> He's saying he must do the works. He must heal that man. At that moment, at that time, at that hour, he must heal that man. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. He said he must do it. It's the work of God. God is inside of the man Christ Jesus. And he's telling him, he's leading him, he's telling him where to go, what to do. The timing, everything is set up, prearranged by God. It's predetermined by God. It's in the plan of God before Jesus is ever born. It's in the plan of God before that man is ever born. It's predestined, it's predetermined in the plan of God. It's all set up. It's prearranged by God. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us, uh, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Now, they, you know, the religious leaders would disagree that Jesus is sent of God. They would not have that. They do not believe that. And But he's still claiming that he is sent from God on this mission. Now, he tells us right here, look at verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Let me tell you something. There's gonna, what he's making reference to is there's coming a time when he's going to die on the cross. See, as long as he's in the world, he's the light of the world. But there's coming a time when he is going to go through the darkness of that cross. Are y'all with me right now? But I will tell you, that doesn't diminish his light. He's still just as bright when he goes to the cross in his deity. He's still just as bright today as he ever has been. His light has not diminished. He's God. You cannot diminish. In, in 1 John 1 and 5, the Bible says God is light. You can't put the light of God out. You can't diminish the light of God. But he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. He said, there's coming. The darkness is coming when no man can work. So he's letting them know he's going to die on a cross. But what is the point here? He's letting them know you better take the opportunity you've got while you've got it. Because there's coming a time when you're not going to be able to work. You hear what I'm telling you? He's letting them know you have an opportunity right now. Don't waste the opportunity you've got right now. Because if you waste the opportunity right now while it's daytime, when the darkness comes on your life, what are you going to do then? You can't work when darkness envelops your soul. You better do what you need to do right now while the light is on. Because if you go past that light and you move into the realm of darkness, you will lose your opportunity to do the work that is necessary. There's a lot of people today that say, well, I'm going to wait till tomorrow. You better do it while the light's here. 
You better respond. You better take your opportunity while the light is here because if the darkness envelops your soul, it will be too late. I sit at my office today and I read from a book called The Psychology of Religion. Now, I'm not a big, I'm not into psychology, but I am in the psychology of religion. And in this book, the psycho, am I boring you tonight? In this book, The Psychology of Religion, they did a, uh, an examination on, on the lives of people. Now, listen to me carefully, because this is extremely important. And they studied conversions. And they discovered as they studied conversions, that at the age of seven and eight is the earliest normally that a person will be converted to Jesus Christ around seven to eight. And then they notice that uh, when you get around 10 to 11, that the conversions begin to increase from age 10 to 11. And then from 12 to 16, as they study... They, the conversions were rapid increase from 12 to 16. But from 16 to 20, they noticed a decline rapidly of conversions until they reached 20. And then when they got to 30, it was extremely rare that anybody was ever converted after 30. You better work while it's day. You better, you better get it while you got the opportunity. Because when the darkness envelops your soul, the time for you to work, and I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm just telling you according to the psychology of religion, it's extremely rare for somebody after 30 to be, to come into the kingdom of God. Which means if you did, you better praise God and thank God tonight. So when we look at the children of our church and we pray with them, you know, at an early age, why are we doing that? Because we know that the older they get, the less likely they are to be converted. And if we can't reach them by 16, it will gradually decline their conversion possibility. Give the Lord praise. And tonight, if you are 16 or older, you better listen to what this preacher is telling you because there will be a rapid decline of your opportunity to be saved. And what is interesting to me as I talked just the other night before I read this um in this psychology of religion, I was talking to my wife and I said, I'm telling you something, Christina, uh, as you see the young people and the, uh, the children getting older in our church, uh, you're going to see they're going to start making decisions. And I'll tell you, it's very rare for somebody that's over, you know, get, I told her around over 18. I didn't know the statistic at the time, but I said, it's very rare for somebody to get over 18 to really get on, get converted and get on fire for Jesus Christ. I said, we, that's what we got to do everything we can before they reach that age. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Because it's more highly unlikely, or let me put it this way, you will lose your ability the longer you go. If you refuse to walk in the light as he's in the light, then what's going to happen is you will become darkened. I would suggest you separate them right now. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. Give God praise in the house. You understand what I'm saying right now? 
So you better take the opportunity you've got right now to get right with God and to get on fire for Jesus Christ. I can tell you that if I had not come into the church at 18, I do not believe I would be in the church tonight. Because you will progressively move into further darkness if you don't take the opportunity of the light you've got. In fact, I will tell you by this passage that this man moves progressively from light to light. But God will not give you more light if you're not walking in the light you have. He is not responsible to give you more light, more revelation, if you won't do anything with what you got. So you're either moving in the light or you're moving toward darkness. You better work the works of God while you have the opportunity. Because the further you go away from God, you lose your ability to walk in the light. Give God praise in this house. What you are hearing tonight is the mercy and grace of God and it's the love of God for your soul. I heard a preacher preach a long time ago, when shall we be stronger? And he came to the uh, premise, he said, you'll never be stronger than you are right now. You better get on fire now. They say, well, uh, uh, give me a little time and I'll get on fire. When will you be stronger than you are right now? The point is, you better take the opportunity you got right now and you better do something with it. Because if you don't, that light that you have will be turned to darkness. And progressively, progressively, the longer you live, the more difficult it is the less ability you have to be saved and to be born in the kingdom. And I think one of the reasons for that is you get set in your ways and you get filled with the world and what you want to do with your life and you forget God and you're going for whatever fame and popularity or whatever and you just get stuck in all of that and it's hard for you to break free and admit that you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ Or maybe you're just a religious individual and you're sitting in a church and you're double blind. You're not just blind, you're double blind because you're in a false doctrine. You're in a false church and you think you're okay. That means you're double blind. Oh, give God praise in this house. It's a serious, serious matter. Well, I thank God for the truth. And so Jesus, Jesus, if you'll notice, he tells him, he said, this man, it wasn't a result of his sin or his mom and dad's sin, that the works of God might be manifest in him. I want you to understand tonight that God is letting him know, them know, that really why Jesus is here is to get to the root of the problem. See, a lot of us come to church and we want God to fix all of our problems. So I got a problem, God, would you fix my problem? I don't know that God is really too concerned about your problems. I tell you what God is really concerned about, and that is what caused your problem. Because see, He can come and He can deliver you from a problem. But if He haven't, hasn't fixed the cause of the problem, then you still got the problem. So He's more concerned with the cause. Give the Lord praise in the house. 
than the problem itself. How many of y'all believe y'all are creators? Sit down here. You're making me nervous. Sit down, please. Sit down. How many of y'all know you're tonight you're a creator? Lift your hand if you're a creator. You're a creator. Well, yeah, okay. God is the only, He's really the only true creator. But I tell you what, you're a creator in a small way. You know how? Because you create your own problems. And so do I. That's right. A lot of the problems I have in my life tonight, I created those problems. You say, only God is a creator. No, I say you're a creator because you have created your own problems. You better get a hold, hold, hold on, listen to me. Let me preach to you. You better get a hold of little Johnny before he gets old. You better work to work while you got the daytime. You don't try to straighten it out when the darkness has set in. You better get a hold of little Johnny while little Johnny's little. You don't wait till he gets older and try to fix the problem. You better get to the root of the matter and deal with what's causing the problem before you ever have the problem. Give the Lord praise in the house tonight. If you don't, if that, if that child begins to run your house, you created your problem. Are y'all here tonight? There are some things that your daddy and your mother did not have the problems you got. You know why? Because your daddy and your mama, most some of you, would not let you run the house. And some of the problems you got is because you let uh, little Johnny or that girl run the house. You better get a hold of it. You better get to the root cause and you better, you better let them know right up front, you're not in charge here. We are in charge here. You're not running this show. We're running this show. You better get their attention early. If you don't, oh, what am I going to do? You created your problem, my friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's all right, Pastor. Now, let's go on to something else. Okay, I will. Pastor, I'm having problems with my husband. Well, you created your problem, honey. You married the devil. So now what you going to do now? Well, Pastor, I got problems. I'm, I'm married. Yeah, you created your problem when you married the devil. So I'm just going to tell you tonight, uh, the devil don't get any better. So if you married a devil, you created your own problem and the devil don't get any better. And he can't get any worse. How many believe the devil can get worse? No, he can't get any worse than what he is. So if you married the devil, he's not going to get any better because the devil don't get better and he's not going to get any worse because the devil can't get any worse. So what do I do, preacher? You're not helping me. Uh, just hang in there, baby. Just hold on. That's all you can do. Just hold for the best. Praise God. Just hang in and hold on. Hope on. Hope for the best. All I can tell you. Because he's not going to get any better. And he's not going to get any worse. I'm giving you hope tonight. Just hold on, baby. You created your own problem. Now, uh, Christina married an angel, so she don't have no problem. And angels get better, hallelujah. And angels don't get worse, praise the Lord. What I'm trying to tell you tonight is a lot of you crying, oh, you're so, I'm, 
Oh, you want everybody to feel sorry for you. Uh, yeah, that's the way we all are, don't we? We all want somebody to feel sorry for us. Uh, oh, look at my problem. You created your problem. Give God praise in this house. God didn't come into this world to fix all of your problems. He came to fix the cause of the problem. Give the Lord praise in the house tonight. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Really, Jesus didn't even spend a lot of time on explaining to them all the theology. Uh, he just tell them, no. He said, that's not the case here. Are y'all with me right now? I'm not going to deal with the problem. I'm just going to get right to the root of the matter. The reason why is because the works of God are going to be manifested in Him. Give the Lord praise. Now, oh, I hear, I hear the Lord uh, 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 speaking to me. He said, if you're married to the devil, he can't get worse and he can't get better, but he can get converted. And that's something the devil can't, the devil can't get converted. But if your man is a devil, he can get converted. Hallelujah. He can pray through. He can get right with God. Praise the Lord. That's the only hope. That's the only chance you got. You notice I'm addressing the men. I'm leaving the ladies alone. The sisters in this church are on fire. <laughs> Say praise the Lord. Woo, glory to God. So you better work while it's day. You better straighten out. You better fix the root causes of things before it gets dark. Woo, I'm telling you. Darkness is just looking for an opportunity to smother out the light. So you better do something while you can. While, it's, while you're able to do something, you better do it now and you better not wait. Because God is not so much interested in all your little problems as He is the cause of the problem. If He can fix the cause of the problem, He can fix the problem, hallelujah, to the Lamb. Woo, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Oh God, I love you tonight. So I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Progressively you will move in a time where you, the light, will go out if you're not careful and you'll not be able to get back to where you need to be. So you better take the opportunity you got right now. Give the Lord praise in the house. <clears throat> He says, as long as I'm in the world, I am, here he says it again, I am the eternal God, I am. The eternal God, I, the word I am is the eternal God. As long as I am the world, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then what happens when he leaves the world? If he's the light to the world while he's in the world, if he leaves the world, what happens to the light? I will say it again. His light does not diminish. He's God. Did you hear that? But he said, I am the light of the world as long as I'm in the world. Then when he leaves the world, where's the light? Where's the light? Say it loud. It's in you. When you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you get filled with the light of God. 
He wants to put you on a hill so you can shine brightly. Oh, hallelujah. He looked at his disciples and he said, Ye are the light of the world. He said, I'm the light of the world as long as I'm in the world. But he's going to go away. And when he goes away and pours out his spirit, when you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you become the light of the world because you're letting his light shine through you. Give the Lord worship in the house. When he had thus spoken, now he's going to put that light into action. Now this man, if he doesn't have light, he's dark, that means he doesn't have life. According to the Gospel of John, the light of God was the life of man. So if he doesn't have light, nor does he have life. So now the Bible tells us, Jesus, oh, glory to God now. It's awesome. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the grounds and made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Just like he did in Genesis 2 and verse 7. He took dirt from the ground, he formed it, he made man out of it, and he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. That same God that did that in Genesis 2 and verse 7 is the same God standing right there that day. This is the sixth sign. He picks up the clay off that ground and he spits, spittle in the dirt. And he begins to make clay uh, out of that dirt. It is his uh, spittle. It is the spittle of God mixed with the earth. And the spittle of God in the clay is about to create Something the man doesn't have. This is a creative miracle of God. See, it's one thing if you've got a short foot for God to extend the foot. It's another thing when you don't have a foot at all and God grow one. See, it's one thing if you have eyeballs and you can't see. And God heals you and those eyeballs can see. But it's another thing when you don't have eyeballs and... God makes eyeballs out of the ground. That's a creative miracle. That's what he did when he made that first man in Genesis uh, 2 and 7 on the sixth day. And so the spittle of God himself, because Jesus is God, the spittle uh, coming from the mouth of God, that spittle is not just any spittle. That spittle is the spittle of God. And that spittle that's coming out of his head, that's coming out of his mouth, that spittle is coming out of the mouth of somebody who never said one bad word. That spittle is coming out of the mouth of a man who never even thought one bad thought. Give God praise in this house. I don't know about you. But if I was sick in my body, I'd want somebody still who had never said a bad word or ever said a, or had a bad thought to be put on me. I think it would do something. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Now, Jesus is very well aware of the culture of his day. They believed the spit of a man, a righteous man, had healing properties in it. They believed especially the spit of a man who was fasting. 
If we can find somebody that's fasting, if we can get the spit of a fasting man, it has healing properties. That was in their culture. They believed that in the saliva of men that there was healing properties. And, and so God knew that. Now y'all here today. Give the Lord praise. Woo, glory to God. And he also knew about the practice of the Romans who were in pagan priesthoods. They believed in taking spit, mixing it with clay, and putting it on blind eyes and telling them to go wash in a river. And they said Juno would heal them. Juno's a false god. But Jesus was aware of the fact that in that culture, Roman priests practiced that. Are y'all here tonight? So he was aware of the medicinal properties of saliva in their mind. Also the pagan practices of Roman priests. He knew all about that. Give God praise in the house. But He is the one true God of the Bible. He is the only God standing there in flesh. God is standing there in flesh. And so the spittle of deity is mixed with the ground. And the Bible says he smeared it on the eyes of the blind man. Literally, he said he anointed him with it. That's beautiful, isn't it? He anointed him with blood. I mean, with, 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 with a pack, with a mud pack of spit and dirt. He anointed him with that. He smeared it on his, on his sockets of his head there. Praise the Lord God. Give God praise in the house. <clears throat> Now, I know I'm talking fast. you got to think fast. Oh, hallelujah. And then the Bible tells us, Jesus says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I want you to see something here. He didn't say, if you go and wash, you'll be healed. The man that just had the mud pack placed upon his eyes had no promise from God that he would be healed if he went. And that man had never seen Jesus at all. He looks at the man by his word. See, the man can't hear. Uh, he can't see, but he can hear. And the word which was with God, which was God, was standing right there. And that word that became flesh spoke his word to that man and said, go and wash. The man didn't see Jesus, but he could hear Jesus. And he was, act, he was going to act on blind obedience. Just on a word. Blind obedience. Not seeing it. Some people say, let me see if I can get myself together here. Some people say, seeing is believing. I got an example in the Bible where seeing is not believing. The man never saw Jesus. Jesus never told him that if he did this, that he would be healed. This man did not expect anything from Jesus. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. But when this man named Jesus spits in the dust of the ground, makes the clay, puts it or anoints his eye sockets, he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam, the pool of Siloam, that was 
Hezekiah's pool. That's the water that came from the spring of Gihon. That in the days of Hezekiah, when there were sieges of Assyria coming against the land, Hezekiah made a tunnel from the Gihon spring down here to uh, this pool called Shaloa. Or uh, are y'all with me today? That's 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 really getting technical, but that's what it is. And so, when they were building that tunnel or digging that tunnel. One group of people started at one end, the other started at another end, and miraculously they met in the middle. And they could hear each other talking as they got closer. And all of a sudden, the pit went through on one side, and the pit met the pit on the other side. And they broke through, and the waters of Gahan, the springs of Gahan, began to flow into the city of Jerusalem so that they could have water even in the midst, in a time of siege. So, this pool of Shaloah, Siloam here, is that pool that is sent from the spring of Gihon into the city of Jerusalem way back in the days of Hezekiah and his aqueduct. Give the Lord praise in the house. Woo, glory to God. And in case you don't know it, the prophet Isaiah makes reference to it. If you look in Isaiah, the eighth chapter. Woo, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Isaiah, the eighth chapter and verse six. Praise the Lord. For as much as this people refuses the waters of Shiloh that go softly and rejoice in resin and Remaliah's son. He's, they're saying, the prophet Isaiah said, uh, they refuse uh, to rejoice, uh, uh, the, or they are refusing the waters of Shiloh that go softly and they rejoice in Reza and Remaliah's son. He's saying they should have rejoiced in Shiloh, the sent one. They should be rejoicing in the Lord. The sent one. This passage is a prophetic passage of the Messiah who is Shaloah. He will be the sent one. He just said it in that chapter. He just said it. He said, I must do the works of him that has sent me. I am Shaloah. I am the fulfillment of the brook. I am the fulfillment of this water of Siloam here. I am Shaloah. The fulfillment of what this is. He saying to them, He is the sent one. And that's what Siloam means. The sent one. Genesis 49 and verse 10. Way back in the book of Genesis, we have a prophecy. Now you're not going to see it in the King James Version. Uh, but it's there. Praise the Lord. What did I tell you it was? Thank God. See, I can speak, preach by the Holy Ghost, and then the Holy, and then I go brain dead. And I was looking in Isaiah 4, Genesis 43, and I'm going, I don't think that's it. Genesis 49, verse 10. Oh, hallelujah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until shallow come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Literally. He whose right it is. He whose right it is. Under him shall the people be gathered. They're going to gather to Shiloh. And notice Shiloh is a him. Shiloh is the Messiah. And under him whose right it is. The people shall be gathered. Give God praise in this house. And so. When he looks at that man in John chapter 9 and he tells him to go to that uh, 
that, that uh, what is it? Shaloa. Salom. What does it say? The pool of Salom. The pool. Yeah, the pool. He's telling him this. He said, if you'll go, you're going to go to a literal pool called Salom, which is Shaloa, the sent one. But he said, what you're doing is really coming into me because I'm the true sent one. And if you'll come into my waters, I'll heal your blindness physically. If you'll come into me, I'll heal your spiritual blindness. If you can get to Shaloa, if you can get to the waters that flow softly. God said, oh, are you hearing me today? He is the sent one. There's a play on action. He's acting out the light that he said he was. He's acting out the I am light of the world. He's acting it out. And he's using these physical things like the pool of Siloam, which means sent one, to let them know I am Shaloah. I am the one. If you'll get in me, you will be healed of your blindness. If you'll get in me, your physical blindness will go away. If you'll get in me, your spiritual darkness will go away. If you'll get in me, give God praise in the house. If you don't get in Him, you are dark. If you don't get in Him while you have the opportunity, the light you have will gradually turn to darkness. So you better do it while you have a chance. And we'll give the Lord worship in the house tonight. You're not helping me too much tonight, but I can still preach. I can still preach because God is on me tonight. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. So no promise. Just go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I don't know if you realize it or not, but from the temple, the pool of Siloam is a long ways away. If you're blind, it would take you two to three hours to make your way through the crowd to find your way to that pool. It wasn't just right around the corner like you might think. When we read things in the Bible, we think it's right there next door. This man was going to have to walk for two to three hours if he had no help to get to that pool. And he's still blind. And he's walking there and he's gotten mud in his eyes and the spittle was in the mud. And I'm sure you walked by him. What's look at that? Look at that nut. Look at that nut. What's wrong with you, man? Can help you here. You got a little mud there, man. What's wrong with you, man? You know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody helped the poor man. Said, where are you going? I said, well, there's a man over here. He put this mud in my eyes. And he told me to go to this place called Sent. This pool of Shalom, which being interpreted means Sent. He said, that's all I can tell you. Will you help me get there? And so if he got help, he made his way to the pool of Siloah. Only a type of Jesus. With no promise that he would be healed. Blind obedience. Why are you doing this? Uh, do you have a promise if you do this? No, no promise. The one that did this to me gave me no promise. He didn't tell me if I did it. He didn't give me the results. He just told me to go and do it. And so blind obedience. I am obeying what he is telling me to do without a promise, without knowing the outcome. I'm just obeying what he told me to do. You see, he expected nothing. And Jesus promised him nothing. He's just acting on obedience. Give the Lord worship in the house. 
blind obedience. Going off of what he heard. He couldn't see. He'd never seen Jesus. But he's going off what he heard. Let me give you a perfect example of what I'm telling you right now. Most people are controlled by their senses. How they feel. How they feel. This man went by what he could hear. Not what he could see. Without a promise. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Isaac. He got fooled one day. A man by the name of Jacob <clears throat> covered his arms with the skins of an animal. The goat. He's acting like he was Esau. And he walked in the presence of Isaac and Isaac's eyes had grown dim. Couldn't see. Isaac reached out and touched his. He felt Jacob's arms. He said, it's the voice of Jacob. But it feels like Esau. His feeling wasn't good. His eyesight was dim. His smeller wasn't good. His nose wasn't good. He couldn't smell that it was goat instead of venison. And when he tasted the goat, his taster wasn't any good either. Because when he tasted the goat, he couldn't tell that what he was eating was goat. He thought it was venison. See, that's what Esau went after was venison. Jacob bought him a goat. But he couldn't smell it. He couldn't taste it. He couldn't see it. He couldn't feel it. All he had was good hearing. And he said, I hear the voice of Jacob. But you feel like Esau. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that this man overrode his hearing. You know the problem of the church today? They're overriding the hearing of the Word of God. And they're going by what they smell, what they see, what they taste, what they touch. And they're overriding by those other senses what they're hearing. And they're being fooled. You can't go by how you feel. You got to go by what you hear. If you go by those other senses, it will fool you. I said you'll get fooled by it. But if you'll go by your hearing, this man could not see, but he could hear. And he went by the Word of God. If you'll go by the Word of God and stop going by your feelings, you'll stop getting full in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. I got God all over me. So here he goes to the pool of Siloam. Shaloah. The Bible says in verse, oh yeah, seven. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. The only time in recorded history that a man was ever healed being born blind. Only time recorded history that he had met. Are you hearing me right now? It was a creative miracle. With no promise. Just obeying the word of God. 
Wasn't expecting anything, but just blind obedience. And he got his miracle. I feel, Pastor, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? If you're hearing the Word of God every time you come to this church, you better start going by what you're hearing coming from this pulpit instead of your feelings. Because your feelings are going to fool you like they did Isaac. But if you will surrender your life to blind obedience, whatever God says. You look crazy to the world. The Word. The Word is what I'm hearing. God honors faith. Are you willing to experience the light and life of God? Will you move on a word? If you won't move on a word, you're walking by feelings, your other senses, and it's going to fool you. You're going to sell what you shouldn't sell. Give God praise in the house. Glory to God. Sin is not believing. Believing is seeing. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. When I believe, then I see. Not see, then believe. When I, be when I believe, then I see. When I obey His Word. When it comes back sin. Glory to God. Still hadn't seen Jesus. Still haven't, hasn't seen Jesus yet. Just know He's been changed. By a man called Jesus. Are y'all here tonight? And when his neighbors see him, they know he's a changed man. Let me tell you something, honey child, juicy fruit, sugar plum, and whatever else I'm calling you. When you really get change in your life, Everybody's going to be able to see it. If there's no change in your life, you haven't been changed. But when there's really been a change in your life, everybody is going to see it. Hallelujah to the Lord. What? The neighbors there for? And they which before had seen him that was blind said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. But he said, I am. See, some of the neighbors said, That's him. But something's changed. I think that's him, but this one we're looking at right now, he sees. He's the same man. Except now there's been a change and he sees. He was the same man, but before he couldn't see, the same man now sees. The light has come on, not just physically, but spiritually, and the neighbors say, That's him. They say, No, he just looks like him. 
And the man says, it's me. When you really get caught in your life, when God really changes your life, people are going to say, yeah, is that you? Looks like you, but you change. You're different. Oh, it just looks like you, but it's not really you. And he goes, no, it's me. I, I love this guy. I love him. He, he's got more common sense than all these crazy theologians. You'll see it. You'll see it when we get through. Hallelujah. How many of y'all been changed by the power of God? And when people see you, they say, is that you, Daniel? Looks like you, but it looks like you, but it's Say it. It's me. It's me. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. When people see you, do they do they get that kind of response? Is that you? Oh, it looks like you, but no, that's not you. It's me. Hallelujah. I've been changed by the power of God. It works, it works, it works. If there's no change in your life, then you're not changed. If you're really changed by the power of God, everybody that sees you in your neighborhood, in your family, it looks like you. But you changed so much, I can't only tell them, it's, it's, it's me, it's me. Just now I can see. I was blind spiritually, but now I can see. I got in Jesus Christ. I got in the Shaloa. I got in the sent one. I gathered to him. Hallelujah. What a miracle. What if somebody in the church tonight didn't have eyeballs and they walked out of here with eyeballs and walked back in the neighborhood? Miracle. You can't deny that miracle, man. Give God praise and help. Something changed in him. It's real. I said it's real. Some said this is he. Others said he's like him. But he said, I am he. It's me. But you never say it's me. Glory to God, it's me. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus. Blind obedience. A man that is called Jesus. See, there's a lot of people in the religious world today that don't want his name. They don't want to be baptized in his name. They don't want his name. But that blind beggar that was healed said, A man named Jesus. Never seen him before, but a man named Jesus. Said, I know his name. I want to tell you something. The same thing goes for you and I. I've never seen him. But a man named Jesus. A man named Jesus. A man named Jesus. I wanted his name. I said, I wanted his name. A man named Jesus. I've never seen him before. But a man named Jesus. How, how 
looking at me. How did you get your healing? How did you get changed? Don't know, I've never seen him. But a man named Jesus. Let me tell you something. This man didn't know what he was missing because he had never seen what he was missing. And there's a lot of people that don't have the Holy Ghost and they don't know what they're missing. And you can tell them how good it is and how great it is and how awesome Jesus is and how awesome Jesus' name baptism is. You can tell them all about it. But they don't know what they're missing. This man doesn't know what he was missing because he had never seen what he was missing. But now when his eyes are open, he sees what he was missing. How'd you get healed? A man named Jesus. Let me tell you something tonight. Let me tell you this tonight. I can't explain the operation of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you what the Bible says. I can tell you how to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. I can tell you about what a baptism in Jesus' name, how it remits your sins. But I can't explain the operation of God. How it works. And until you get it, until you get Jesus, until you get the Holy Ghost, until you get His name in water baptism, you're not going to see how good it is. But when you see what you haven't seen, Hallelujah to the Lord. Jesus will become the greatest thing you have ever seen in your life. Jesus will be the greatest thing in the world to you. Because I have seen Him. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. I don't know how it all works. I don't, I can't explain the operation. I just know I've been changed. And to me, he's the greatest thing in the world. To me, baptism in Jesus' name is the greatest thing in the world. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is the greatest thing in the world. He didn't know what he was missing. Because he couldn't see him. And so many, some here today, don't know how great the Holy Ghost is. We can tell you about it. But until you get it, get him. Until you get his name. You're not going to understand what we stand around and talk about how great it is. Because you just don't see it. I don't know how it works. But I can tell you, it works. The Holy Ghost changed me. Water baptism in Jesus' name changed me. Why do you make such a big deal out of holiness? I don't see it. I don't get it. It changed me. How does holiness work? I don't know. I just know it works. Woo, glory to 
it works. Hell, just taking oil and putting it on the head and praying a prayer of faith. How does it work? I don't know, but it works. It works. It heals cancer. It heals disease. Why do you get so excited? Because it works. How? Don't know, but it works. You know, I noticed since you went to that church, something's changed. Can you explain what? Well, I can tell you about getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized in Jesus' name. Man. I can tell you about holiness of life. And I can tell you about prayer and how it changes people and people change things. I can tell you about being anointed with oil and prayer, faith, saving, sick. I can tell you about how when God's word goes forth, his presence is in his word. I can tell you that, that when the word goes forth, it's not just a dry word, but when the word goes forth, the presence of God is in the word. How? I don't know, but I know it's true. Oh, and it'll change you. God prays in the house. You just haven't seen it yet. But when you see it, when this man saw for the first time in his life, Jesus became the greatest thing he had ever seen in his life. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm not going by my feelings. I'm going by the words. I'm going by the words. Give the Lord praise in the house. I want His name. I thank God for His name. A man called Jesus. You have a spiritual heritage, church. But you need to thank God for it. It's the greatest thing on the planet. What you're a part of is the greatest thing on the planet. There's nothing better. Why would a person in here want to look to the world for satisfaction when the world's looking into here to try to find out what you've got? I don't understand. It's the greatest thing. They just don't see it. That's what it is. But you get what we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what we got. And let me just tell you this. We're not acting. I don't, I'm not acting. This is real. The Holy Ghost in me is real. Baptism in Jesus' name is real to me. Holiness is real to me. I don't come to church, fold my arms and play church. It's real. I don't have to act. I am a miracle. You are a miracle. You don't have to act. I see. I once was blind, but now I see. A man named Jesus. That's all I know. That's all I know. A man named Jesus. They brought him to the Pharisees. Him that four times was blind, he was... On the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see. 
Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not a God because he keepeth not the Sabbath. The other said he can, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. See, the religious people. See, they were the blind ones here, Brother Patrick. They were the blind ones here right now. That blind man sitting there that day, sister, was a picture of old Israel. And he's doing for that man what he wants to do for the nation of Israel. He's letting Israel know. He's letting those old blind Pharisees, spiritual, religious, blind Pharisees, know that if they'll come to him, he would wash them. If they would come to the sent one, he would save them. If they would come to the sent one, he would open their spiritual blind eyes. That was old blind Israel sitting there. And old blind Israel comes up and says, calls him, calls Jesus a sinner. Says he's a sinner. Hallelujah. Religion. Richard, willful blindness. Willful blindness. Willful blindness. How can you deny that miracle? Willful blindness. They want to stay blind. They want to stay in the darkness. Give God praise in the house. He's a sinner. He doesn't keep the Sabbath day. Jesus didn't break the Sabbath day. He fulfilled the Sabbath day. He is the rest of God. Give the Lord praise in the house. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He's a prophet. He said, He starts out, He says, A man named Jesus. And then He progressively goes, He says, A prophet. You see what I'm trying to show you tonight, church, is this. Is when that man walked, started walking in the light, He started getting more revelation. But it's not until you walk in blind obedience to the Word of God that God will then give you more revelation. See, He's not obligated to give me more revelation until I walk in the truth that I know. And because that man walked in the truth that he knew, God kept giving him more light, more revelation. And the man said, He's a prophet. In that culture, in that culture, it was the highest office. One of the highest offices you could walk in was to be a prophet. So He said, This man is the highest. He's the greatest. I'll call him a prophet. And by the way, he hadn't seen him yet. But he's exalting him in his greatness. Because this man doesn't have just physical eyesight. This man's been saved spiritually. He's a disciple. He's a disciple. He's a prophet, he said. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called parents of him that had received his sight. They said, no, we don't believe that you were blind. We need to call mom and dad and see what mom and dad said to make sure that you were blind and that this is all, you know, not just kind of made up story. Because we don't believe that Jesus did this. We believe he's a sinner. He broke the Sabbath day, they said. We're not sure you're blind that you were blind at all. So we call mom and dad. Let's see what mom and dad says. But mom and dad wants to stay in a dead religion. A dead religion. And they said, now, watch this. You think the blind man when he went home, he didn't have eyes. Now he's got eyes. He couldn't see. Now he can see. He goes home. All the neighbors know something. You know, it's a miracle. And mom and dad knows it. You don't think they sit down and talk about it. Hey, tell us, son, what happened. That the son didn't say a man named Jesus? Again? 
He told them what happened. They knew what happened. But they were afraid to say it. Fear paralyzed them from saying what they knew because they were afraid the Jews would put him out of the synagogue. So they wanted to stay in their dead religion. Are y'all here with me right now? Watch, watch, I'm going to show you. Verse 19, they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How did nothing now see his parent, parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. You're lying, you're lying, you're lying. You're liars. Can I tell you something? I believe that man went to heaven, but I don't believe mom and dad did. Mom and dad wanted to stay in their dead religion. And mom and dad was willing to lie to be accepted by dead religion. I don't see in the word of God where mom and dad came to Jesus Christ. I don't see where mom and dad got saved. And if mom and dad didn't come to Jesus and get saved, get born again, mom and dad is in hell tonight. But I believe the blind man is in heaven. Mom and dad was afraid to break with that old religious system. Fear gripped their hearts. By what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. They lied. Because they were afraid. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So they're afraid. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He says, Tell us the truth and give basically what the saying is, give God praise. Tell us the truth. He says, Come on, confess it. Tell us you've been lying the whole time. Tell us you weren't really blind and tell us that Jesus really didn't heal you. Come on, give God the praise. Tell us the truth. <laughs> He's fixing to give God the praise. He's not intimidated by an old religious system that is dead. Mom and dad is. He answered and said, I love this. I love this. I love this song. I love this guy. He's got more common sense than these theologians do. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. He just pleads ignorance. I don't know. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that where I was blind, whereas I was blind, now I see. You can call him a sinner. You can say in the chapter before, he's got a devil. All I know is the experience that I have. I know that. Oh, give God praise in the house. I love it. I love it. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. He knew what had happened to him. That was good enough. Then said they unto him again, what did he do to thee? How open he thine eyes. Come on, tell us again so we can try to confuse you and mix your story up. If you repeat it, maybe you'll, we can 
find some error in what you're saying. Tell us again. These guys are willful blind. Willful blinds. What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you did not hear. You know why they wouldn't hear? Because they did not want to hear. Just like, I'm not even going to say it. Willful blindness. Watch He answered them, I have told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciple? This guy just by common sense is ripping them apart. Just by common sense. said, I don't know if he's a sinner, but I know I've been changed. I know one thing, I've been healed. I can tell you that. You want me to tell you again? Oh, you want to be his disciples too? Oh, I tell you. Oh, man, God's using this man to just grind them in the dirt. Just common sense. Let me tell you something. You get somebody, IBM, they can, you know, they, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying, they go, they go to college, man. They know all about computers, you know. They can, they can program computers and, Everything else. You get him and set him, set him down with an old farmer. Play checkers. And that guy, it's an IBM expert. You know, been all the college and everything. That old farmer will check up. Beat him every time. How can you do this? Just common sense. See, the old farmer has to think. The other guy, all he knows how to do is push buttons. He never has to think. But common sense lets the farmer know i got to think ahead. And the farmer thinking ahead will beat the IBM guy because he has to, the farmer has to think. And the other guy don't think. All he knows to do is push buttons. What I'm trying to tell you is these theologians right here, as blind as they could possibly be, this guy right here is tearing them apart with common sense. Jesus' name. Give the Lord praise in the house. Just get on common sense. All I know is I've been changed. Oh, you want me to tell you the story again? Oh, you want to be his disciple too. Which lets me know he already claims to be Jesus' disciple. What he's claiming is he's claiming already to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Which means he's coming out of Judaism. Into a new economy. He will be the first one. Listen to me. See, Peter and the other disciples worshiped Jesus Christ, but they were still in the old economy and they'll stay in that old economy until Pentecost. But this man is going to be excommunicated out of Judaism. He's going to be thrown out of Judaism and he's going to follow Jesus Christ before Pentecost, which means he's coming out of an old dead religion. He's coming out of Judaism and he's coming in a new economy before anybody else. 
The Samaritan woman became a believer, but she wasn't in Judaism. He's the first one that was in Judaism, if I understand the passage right. That stepped out of it and said, I'm his disciple. Coming out of a dead religion and walking in a new covenant and a new economy. Give God praise. And in case you don't know it, this man right here is typical of every one of you. You were born blind. You were born spiritually blind. You were born, you were born in sin. Sin. You were born in sin. And you entered into a new covenant with Jesus Christ. All right. I, you know, I'm. Okay, let me get to the text. What, do you, what is their response when he says, you want to be one of his disciples too? How many want to be one of his disciples? How many of you came to church to be one of his disciples? Or you came to church to see what pastor's response will be to you? That's all some of you ever come to church for. And I'm not talking, I'm just looking at you because you're a brother. You know where I'm coming from. Some of you only come to church to see what pastor's response will be to you. And if pastor don't respond to you the way you want pastor to respond to you, that's the only reason why you came to church. You need to come to church because you need God. Jesus. See, let me, let me let you in on something, juicy fruit. There's some people that come to church, but they never get in church. They just come to church to criticize. They just come to church to judge the pastor. They just come to church to find out how the pastor's going to respond to him. And he don't respond to him the way that they at all. Oh, what's wrong with you? Get in the church. Don't just come to church. Get in the church. I'm in the church. Who cares? Who cares what brother, how brother responds? Who cares how that? I'm looking for God. I don't want a dead religion. I want Jesus. And I want him bad enough that I want, I'm not only going to get in church, but I'm going to make sure I get to church on time. That guy got his miracle because he was at the right place at the right time. Don't you, don't, come on. Don't just come to church. Get in the church. In Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord praise in the house. No, these blind men that was healed, they, they don't want Jesus. They don't want Jesus. They want to just criticize Him. They just want to pick Him apart. They want to call Him a sinner. You understand? They don't want Jesus. They just come to church, but they don't get into the church. There are a lot of people like that all over America today. They're, they're at church, but they're not in the church. They're just like these... Men standing in front of that blind man that was healed. At church, but not in the church. Jesus, I love you. God, tell I go get sick. Because he said that, will you also be? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. He's already told them they don't know Moses. They don't know God. They, he's already told them that they were of their father, the devil. And they're claiming 
Well, you're one of his disciples, but we be Moses' disciples. Jesus already said they weren't. Dead religion. That's what it was, is a dead religion. Say praise the Lord, church. Now watch this. I love the con contrast. I know. What's wrong with you? Why are you looking at me like that? Give me God. I got to go. Jesus help me. I'm getting drunk. You say, why you act like that, Pastor? If you saw what I saw. <laughs> you would understand. See, this guy saying, I don't know. All I know is I've been changed. I've been healed. I can tell you that. He, he pleads ignorance. But look at the people who are blind. The ones who are blind say, we know. And the one who was made to see is saying, I don't know. But the ones that are blind are saying, we know. They, three times they confess they know. And three times he confesses his ignorance. And they're the blind ones here. Did you come to see how Pastor would respond to you tonight? Or did you come to church tonight for the dark? Did you come to church tonight to see what, brother? How he's going to respond to your sister? How they're going to start? You're going to sit there. Go sorry for yourself. Did you come for God? Don't just come to church. Get in the church. I'm not your God. He is. Get over yourself. I'm trying to make a disciple of Jesus Christ out of myself and out of you. You're just so full of religion. You got so full of religion, you just think you know. Where was I? Why are you talking so softly? <laughs> You're not going to get in trouble. I just asked you where I was. We know. Verse 29. God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. <laughs> They're so ignorant. They already declared they already knew he was. They already said they thought he was from Galilee. No prophet comes from Galilee, they said. And now they say, we don't know where he's from. They're lying the whole time. Say praise the Lord. Praise God's going to take this blind man made heal, going to whip the dog out of him. They're common sense.
Verse 30, the man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing. <laughs> I love it. Why, herein is a marvelous thing. That you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. I this guy. I love this guy. Why, herein is a marvelous thing. Open my eyes and you don't know. You're the religious leaders of Israel and you don't know who he is, where he's from. He opened my own. This is a marvelous thing. See, they hate Jesus, so they hate him. You ever get somebody, they look at you and they say, I don't like what you're wearing. Yeah, that's it. I won't stretch him. You got a bigger head than I do. I don't like your glasses. Next time anybody walks up to you and says, I don't like your glasses, I don't like your shoes, I don't like your clothes, well, just tell them that I didn't buy them for you, I bought them for me. Well, I don't like the car you're driving. Well, I didn't buy it for you. I bought it for me, stupid. See, they don't like this man because they don't like Jesus. When somebody says, I don't like the glasses, really what they said, I don't like you. You dress funny. What you're saying, what you're really saying is, you're funny. I know. Bishop Wagner, Bishop Wagner over here. Just when I Wagner and Wagner, if you ever become Wagner, I'm coming to your church. If you ever develop into a Bishop Wagner, I'm going to join your church, man. He's going on to be with the Lord. I'm going to join your church. I'm going to bring this my whole this whole church that I pastor. And we're going to join your church. You ever come, Bishop Wagner? <laughs> Forget it. I'm sitting down. I'm going to let you preach every service. You ever become Bishop Wagner? I mean that. I'll bring the whole church. Set them all underneath you. Hallelujah. But Bishop, not Wagner. Bishop Lindsay's over here. He told me. He said, "I like the red." I said, "I just need to give me some red shoes like you." But don't, in case you don't know it, I got some maroon ones on. You notice? Close to red. Not quite. He's already giving me a hard time for it. He got the pulpit started preaching. He's talking about my red shirt and red tie. But at least he said he liked it. So I take that if he said he liked my tie, friend. I take that. He said he liked me all right. Praise the Lord. I don't like your tie, really. You said you don't like me. But I didn't buy the tie for you, and I didn't buy my shirt for you. I bought it for me. Like, well, you don't like it, that's your problem. <laughs> they didn't like Jesus Christ, and because they didn't like Jesus Christ, they didn't like that man that was healed by Jesus Christ. Give the Lord praise. They wanted to stay in their willful blindness and darkness. Who says, God bless your heart? Thank God God brought you to the front tonight. 
God bless your hearts. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God's good. I said God's good. I ain't against anybody here. I love everybody here. I want you to make it. I want you to make it. Come on, give God praise. This man's telling, telling these religious, religious people he's, a, he's the greatest thing in the world. And I haven't even seen him yet. He's the greatest thing in the world. And I'm his follower right now. I'm his disciples right now. Oh, praise God. How do you feel? Do you feel the same way today? You feel the same way today? I feel the same way today about Jesus Christ. Give the Lord worship in the house. Now we know that God hears. Now here's the response of these religious people. He said, we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God he, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Well, just put what you said to practical application. If Jesus did the miracle, and if Jesus made this man that was born blind to see, just take the thing you just said and come to the conclusion logically, he must be hearing God. He must be of God. He must, God must be hearing this man's prayer for this man to be healed like that. Take what you just said and apply it practically and logically. Now they say he's a sinner. No, 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 no. I, I'm glad. I, I can tell you this one thing. God is not obligated to hear the, the sinner's prayer with the exception of one thing. And that's when the sinner comes to God in repentance. Did you know God obligated Himself to hear the sinner when He comes to Him and He repents? Did you know that? Did you know if God heareth not sinners, every one of you in this church today would be lost on your way to hell? And so would I if God heareth not sinners. But God heard this sinner cry out to Him. I was blind spiritually and I cried out to Him. And He heard this sinner's prayer. He heard this man cry out and confess his sin. And God forgave me my sin. And He'll do the same for you if you'll just repent. He's obligated to hear the sinner's prayer of repentance. Jesus, in His humanity, prayed in His humanity. And God, the Spirit of God who was in Him, heard that prayer. And He walked with God. He did the will of God. He was sent by God. He did everything in God's time. Because of that, this man, is made whole. And the action of the light of the world is standing before him. The Bible says, since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? He's saying this has never happened before as far as we know recording history. That a man that was born blind is made whole. You know the miracle? You know a miracle? Modern medicine can take a blind person. It has the capability by surgical process 
to make them see transplants. Transplants. But in that day, first time in recorded history a blind man born was ever healed by another man. And that blind man was old Israel, and that's what Jesus is trying to get in the see. You're blind spiritually. But you're not just blind, you're doubly blind because you think you're okay. See, if you ever get in a church that teaches false doctrine, and you're sitting in that church and you think you're okay, you're doubly blind. These people were in a religious system and they were blind, not just blind, they were doubly blind because they thought they could see and they couldn't. Watch this, I'm about to finish here. Give God the praise, would you? <laughs> Verse 33, if, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Logic. Just logic. Common sense. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And that is absolutely the truth. If there's a one God Jesus name man out there today that's pastoring a large church, the only reason why he's able to pastor a large church is because it's given to him of God. If it wasn't given him of God, he could do nothing. You give God the praise here today. If anything ever happens here, it's because God did it. And because your head and your heart was sanctified to God. Give the Lord praise in the house. <clears throat> if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. He's a blind man that was blind as my seed. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. You see what happened here is that progression I talked to you about last week. They talk, you see, you start out on intellectual conversation and it moves to emotion. Your face is red, you get loud. Kind of like the preacher. And then from there, you get into, what was the next step? After, you go from intellect to emotion. Slander. Slander. And they, the Bible says they let him have it. And then from slander, it gets into physical. They take you in, going out. Go on. God walked out of the temple in the 8th chapter. This man is fixing to walk out of an old dead religion of Judaism in the ninth chapter. Are y'all here tonight? Give God praise in the house. They cast him out. And in case you don't know it, in first century Judaism, when the Jews started confessing that Jesus was the Messiah and Jesus was the Christ of God, Jesus was God come in the flesh, when those Jews started confessing that, in that first century Judaism, they put them out of the synagogue and called them a curse of God. And John is using this story to encourage those who were excommunicated out of the Judea, Judaic system of religion because they believed in the Christ of God. He's encouraging them. When Judaism casts you out because you believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'll find you. Don't worry about it. I'll find you. I'll find you. Give God praise in the house.
Are y'all awake tonight? They cast him out. They put him from their presence. He said, you're a sinner. You teach us? Who do you think you are? You teach think you can teach us? Cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. When he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Look at this. A man named Jesus. Prophet. Now. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? God come in flesh. The Son of God is God incarnate. That's what the title means. God incarnate. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Do you believe He's God come in the flesh? How many do you believe your hand in hand? Dost thou believe in the Son of God? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It doesn't say he that is baptized shall be saved. You can be baptized and still be lost. The most important thing is he that believeth. If you don't believe and are baptized, you went down. Well, you got wet. You came up a wet sinner. You have to believe and be baptized in order to be saved, not just be baptized. There's a lot of people, we'll baptize them in Jesus' name, but they're not saved because they didn't believe when they went down. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And Jesus looked at that man and says, Believest thou the Son of God? On the Son of God. You believe on the Son of God? You believe on the Son of God? See, Pastor, why so many people you baptize in His name? They don't stick. Because they didn't really believe. They just got water. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's what Jesus said. You've got to believe. Believest thou. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he? Lord. That I might believe on him. Remember, he had never seen Jesus. And Jesus is standing right there in front of him. And he's already had his physical eyes open and his spiritual eyes open. And he already's a believer. And he's already a disciple. And he's never even seen Jesus Christ. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him. Now you see what you've been missing all the time. Now you see. And it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. But he said, Lord, that is equivalent to saying, you are the God of the Bible. He said, Lord, so progressively he's got more and more light. When you walk in light, more light's coming to you. If you don't walk in the light, you have no more revelation. God is not required to give you any more revelation. But the more light you walk in, the more revelation you're going to get. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He's the first one to step out of that old dead religion of Judaism. 
into a new economy. Even before Pentecost, he worshipped him. He's the greatest thing I've ever seen. He's the greatest thing in the world. He worshipped him. Are you a worshiper? Are you a worshiper? Do you really believe in him? I'm a worshiper. I'm looking at some worshipers tonight. If any man be a worshiper, he hears him. If you're a worshiper, God will hear you. Man, worship God. In order to worship, you have to be in spirit and in truth. He was the first one to come out of that old economy and to step into a new economy. When Jesus saved the Samaritan woman, are y'all here today? She's reaching beyond the old economy. Jesus is reaching beyond the old economy and finding the Gentiles and bringing them in the kingdom before the church begins. He comes across a Syrophoenician woman whose daughter had a spirit. That was a Gentile woman. God did a miracle. He said, My, come on somebody. It's not lawful for me to give the children's meat to the dogs. It's not time for me to do works for Gentiles. But he stepped across dispensational time into the church a time and pulled back a promise for a Gentile before the time, hallelujah, to the land and gave her bread that belonged to the children. And her daughter, the spirit was driven out of her. This man is experiencing a New Testament experience. Before he ever brings it in. Are you hearing me today? Amen. I'm not saying he doesn't need to be baptized in name, And he doesn't need to get the Holy Ghost. But I want you to understand something. If he did not step out of the old economy into the new. Even the old economy that was of God. He would have needed to take a sacrifice. And offer it to God. And Jesus did not require it of him. Believe on. Do you believe on the Son of God? I believe, Lord. He didn't tell him to go off for a sacrifice. Are you hearing me right now? He's, he's like that thief on the cross before Pentecost. In that economy, it would have been required of him to take an animal sacrifice to atone for his sin. But Jesus becomes his sacrifice. Hank, there on the cross, is still under the law economy. And Jesus said, I'll become that sacrifice for you. You're not even required. And he was still in that old economy. He said, but I will become and do what you need right now. David, I don't have time tonight, but David committed a sin that was so horrific and so horrendous that they would take you out and stone you to death if you murdered somebody, you committed adultery with somebody. They would stone you to death for that sin. And David in Psalm 51 repented unto God and God forgave him of a sin in the Old Testament that you could not have atonement for. How did David do it? He reached into the future and grabbed a hold of the cross. 
Hallelujah to the Lamb. That man didn't need a sacrifice. Jesus. Six months from this time. He's going to hang on the cross for him. Just like that woman caught in adultery. Give God praise in the house. I'll tell you if you could discern it. If you could discern the significance of this moment. Jesus is letting them know. Israel, that's you. That's what I want to do for you if you'll come to the sent one. If you'll come to Shiloh, the one to whom the people will be gathered. I, Genesis 49 and 2. You'll come to Shiloh, the waters that flow softly. Isaiah 8 and 6. You'll come to me. I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. Like this blind man went to the pool and was washed and was cleansed. I'll do the same thing for you. If you'll get washed, water baptized in the name of Jesus. And you'll get anointed, filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll see the light. And you'll become his disciple. This whole thing was is typical of you and I. I'll come to a close. In the catacombs... Archaeologists have found seven references to John chapter 9 in the catacombs. The catacombs where the Christians went in the underground. They went in the underground during the persecution broke out. They worshiped God in the underground. They drew pictures all over the, the walls of the catacombs. Archaeologists have found seven references, seven pictures of art in the catacombs of John chapter 9. You know what they did with John 9? They used it as the illustration of conversion. Before baptism. Before baptism. Before baptism, they read about the man who went to the water, to the pool, and was washed and cleansed and could see. And as that person entered into baptism, in those days and in the early church, baptism was called the days of your enlightenment. The days of your enlightenment. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. How many of you know when you were water baptized in Jesus' name? That you were fulfilling John 9. Verse 4, John, Hebrews 6, 4. Look, look, look. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. That term, once enlightened, speaks of water baptism. After you were baptized, after you were enlightened, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. That's the Holy Ghost. We're made partakers of the Holy Ghost. If they had, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. 
And I don't have time, but you can also look at Hebrews chapter 10. That term enlightenment is used again. Once you've been enlightened, once you have received the life of God, once you've been water baptized in Jesus' name, if you fall away, you go into darkness. It's impossible. So when they stare with the baptismal candidate, they scrutinize that candidate. They didn't just baptize anybody. They scrutinized them. Do you really believe on the Son of God? The same thing Jesus asked that man. Do you really believe on the Son of God? And they said, I do believe on the Son of God. Only then did they take that baptismal candidate and read John chapter 9 over him, plunge him into the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus and bring him out of that water. Only then. So that John 9 was used in the early church as the example of enlightenment. Receiving light and being cleansed of sin. Aren't you thankful tonight that you were enlightened, that you were water baptized in Jesus' name? Aren't you thankful for that? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that walketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I believe in worship. Is Jesus the greatest thing you've ever experienced in your life? If He is, people will be able to see the change in your life. They will hear you worshiping. But I don't want to be seen because I don't want to act like Him. What are you talking about? If you really know Him and He's the greatest thing that you have ever experienced in your life, you will be a worshiper. If you've been enlightened, water baptized in His name, and you really believe, you will become a worshiper. Jesus said for judgment. Oh, here we go. Woo, glory to God. For judgment. Somebody shout at me for judgment. I'm coming to the world for judgment. I'm coming to the world for judgment. I'm coming to the world for judgment. That's what Jesus said. For judgment. I'm coming to this world that they would see not, might see. Like the blind man here, born blind. Now he can see physically and spiritually. Those who have never seen Jesus is why He came. So that you could see. Those who have never seen. See. True believers. True believers. True believers. I don't like the way some of you look. you got a funny look on your face. True believers. Jesus, when He stands in this world, He separates the people. For judgment I've come. He's going to put the true believers on one side. He's the light of the world. He's going to uncover. You know God cannot show mercy to you until He comes and uncovers sin. He said, I want mercy. I want grace. He cannot show you grace until He uncovers sin. Light. For judgment am I come. 
For judgment I've come. Those who have never seen him. So that no, those that have never seen him will see him. And then watch. And they which see might be made blind. The people who can see physically might be made blind. Because they claim to see. They claim to know. But they're spiritually blind. And the spiritually blind who claim to see are the ones that are truly blind. For judgment I am coming to this world that they would see not might see and, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. The same light, the same sun that softens wax, hardens clay. You're either getting harder and harder and harder tonight. You're getting softer and softer and softer tonight. For judgment am I come to this world. Which is it tonight? I can take two two balls. They take the ball of wax, put it in the sun, it'll melt, it'll soften. I can take a ball of clay, put it in the sun, it's going to get hard as a bit. That's what Jesus Christ does to every, He is the one who separates the world, He brings a separation. When His light shines on you, you're either getting softer tonight and more pliable and are moving more and more in further revelation or you're getting harder and harder and harder and blinder and blinder and blinder. Progressively. Progressively. Help us all tonight, Lord God. Because Lord, You are standing in our midst tonight and There is a judgment that is in the house tonight, Lord, and there are some tonight who are coming to the light and are softening. There are some who are like the clay in the sun, get harder and harder. Lord, tonight in Jesus' name, let me stand on the right side of you. I thank you tonight for salvation. I thank you tonight for your grace. I, I, I won't let you go, but I want to tell you something. These religious people that day in dead religion wanted to stay blind. Willful blindness. Willful. See, that's one thing. It's one thing to be blind, never seeing, and then see. But it's one thing to be blind and say you see. They're standing there in willful, known blind, blindness. You understand what I'm telling you? I'll tell you who God's going to eventually save. You know who's going to be walking in the doors of this church? There's going to be prostitutes that walk in here and get saved. There's going to be drug dealers that walk through these doors and get saved. Hallelujah to the Lord. And when they come in before their enlightenment, 
They're not going to look like saints. They're not going to look like saints. But those who did not see are going to see and they're going to be enlightened and they're going to be changed gradually. That's who's going to be saved. You know who's going to be lost? It's going to be the religious, self-righteous religious people that just allowed themselves to get harder and harder and harder. So when they start coming in, they may not look just like you, but God's going to make them see. And when He does, they're going to worship God and they're going to proclaim how great He is. When you're standing there in your self-righteous little attitude, they're going to be praising the name of the Lord and say, a man named Jesus. There are people out there in that world still yet that are the greatest preachers that will ever stand behind the pulpit. They have not yet been reached yet. And when God saves them, He's going to fill them with fire and with light. They're going to be some of the greatest preachers the world has ever seen. And they're yet to come into the church yet. You mark my word. God hasn't done His greatest work yet. He hasn't done His greatest work. The best music is yet to be written. The best worship music is yet to be written. The best preaching is yet to be heard. In God it doesn't get worse. It gets better. If you were a drug addict, you ought to be able to reach the drug addict. You were a go-go girl. You ought to be able to reach the go-go girl. What I'm concerned about though is some of us have become so religious. And we're getting harder and harder and harder. The word of God is preaching. You just get harder and harder and harder. How does it work, Pastor? I don't know. I just know it works. How does it work? By grace are you saved through faith. It starts out by grace. Through faith. And that grace through faith produces baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Your enlightenment. And just like the blind man was anointed, you get anointed by the Holy Ghost. You get filled with the Spirit of God. And He becomes the greatest thing to you in the whole world. Don't ever become religious. Whatever you do, don't, don't you ever become religious. I'm not going to let you put me in your mold. I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to let you try to refine me. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to let you make me put a collar on backwards. I'm not going to let you do it. I'm going to stay on fire for Jesus Christ. You might not like my ways. You might not like the way I talk. You might not like my methods, but I'm not going to let you change me. A man named Jesus. I know I'm not refined. I'm not trying to be. You need to stop trying to be religious. Praise God. Praise God. Brother Bo, praise God. Praise God. 
I think we ought to worship Him, don't you? Do you remember where God found you? He found you on the dirt. He found you in the dirt. He found you blind. He found you begging, begging, begging. I don't care what you say. Every one of us were beggars when we came to God. Every one of us were beggars when we came to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I don't want you religious. I want you on fire. I want you anointed. Do you believe? Where's Bishop? I pray God makes you a wagon. You get somebody, somebody that don't have religion, back, religious background, and thinks they see and thinks they know so much. You get somebody that just knows they need God. And just get on fire for Jesus Christ. If, would the God He turns you, turns you into a way. Thank you, Jesus. Do you remember where God found you? Eloy Dias. I used to pray in my house. That old vacant house next door there. I pray. I said, God, I said, whoever moves in that house, let it be your will because you want to bring them into the kingdom. And I know when you guys moved in that church and in that house, yeah, you did move into the church too. But I know when you moved in that house, you probably thought to yourself, "What? why am I here? Your pastor prayed you there. Right time, right place. God's time. He brought him into the church. Don't you ever forget where God found you. Give the Lord worship in this house tonight. Hallelujah. He's great and greatly to be praised. There's nobody like my Jesus. There's nobody like my Jesus. If you could just see him. If you could just know him. Nobody like him. Nobody. Some came to church. He came to church. Bishop back there came to church. He came to church over there on Brazos Street. And uh, he sat in one of those pews on Brazos. You know, he's in a tin building, you know. That's when you really have a church. You have really, really, really have church in a tin building. They walked in that tin building over there on Brazos. Bishop, he told me, he said, he sat down in a pew. 
he said, I wonder if this white man could preach. And he sat there, and he sat there, and he sat there, and he looked at me, and he looked at me, and he looked at me, and he probably got saved. <laughs> but don't think he's always been. He hadn't always been there. When he first came in, he said, Can that white man preach? No, but God can. No, but God can. Don't you dare forget. Don't you dare forget where God brought you from. Don't you dare forget it. Don't you dare get religious, sister. I don't care. Somebody gets religious around you. You don't get religious. You don't try to fit in the mold. Jesus came to break the mold. Hallelujah to the Lamb. They came to break the mold. Every one of us were beggars before He found us. Sister Natalie and her good friend, Sister Sandra, came to church on Blazes right before the New Year's, you know, was coming in. They come in acting all cool. Thinking they were beautiful. Sister Natalie got saved. It was a New Year's Eve, wasn't it? Got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Sister Sandra was supposed to be there. We're seated just like that. She's not even here. Oh, he's right here. Oh. <laughs> I started to say just like her. She's not even here tonight. <laughs> she was supposed to get baptized the same night Sister Natalie was going to get baptized. She didn't even come to church. Sister Natalie got baptized, got to the Holy Ghost, and here comes best friend. Well, i got to do that too. She, she See, they've always been in competition. They never... She gets baptized, she's going to get baptized. She gets the Holy Ghost, she's going to get the Holy Ghost. If she runs, she's going to run. If she sings, she's going to sing. Don't you ever forget where God found you. You were beggars like the blind man. Don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever forget it. They get in church, and here comes Brother Daniel, you know, and then his sidekick over here, you know, Randall Medina, walking in. You know how he walks. Would you believe it that Daniel Sanchez and Randall Medina got filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in this thing? They thought they were the coolest thing on earth. They didn't realize they were nothing but beggars begging for God. Don't you ever forget where God found you, brother. You either, brother. I could go through this whole church. I could point out to you where God found you. How can you just stand there and just sit there after all that Jesus... Worship Him like the blind beggar that was made whole. Don't you ever forget it.
See what happens to Pentecostals after a while, they get religious. Forget it. Forget it. I, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let people squeeze me into the mold. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let people make me religious. Not in this age, not in this hour. Are you here with me tonight? I'm a beggar that needed Jesus Christ. I was a beggar that needed Jesus Christ. I'm still crying out for help. I'm still asking God for mercy. I'm still asking God for more light. I'm still begging. I'm still worshiping. Some of you just got too big for your britches. You got too big for your britches, honey. You think you you just got too big for your britches. You just got religion. And that's to the men, of course. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Where's the last time, sisters, you shouted your hair down? I'm, uh, sorry. When's the last time? When's the last time you sisters just came to church? You just had a shout down. You ever seen, seen a shout down? You want to see one? He said, I don't know if I want to answer this one. Oh man, this is already wild to me. Praise God. If I tell him I want to see a shout, he said, man, he said, if it's not a shout down, where's it going from here? It's the greatest thing. Jesus Christ is the greatest thing. This Pentecostal experience, greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I love holiness with everything in me. I love, I love the deity of Jesus Christ with everything in me. Baptism in Jesus' name, everything in me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say it. Praise the Lord. Yeah, man. Hallelujah. Hey, I wish your, your daddy would act like you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say it. Come here, man. Praise the Lord. Give me five, buddy. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I've had a good time. Feel good in God. I feel good in God. You want a party? I tell you where the party is. It's Jesus. You want to have a good time? I tell you where the good time is. Jesus. You're not going to find it out here. You're going to find it right here in the house of God. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I love you in Jesus' name. Well, y'all doing all right? I had a good time preaching to you tonight.